1: Sports Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
0: Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Happy Holiday Weekend. Welcome inside the clubhouse right here at Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The Score. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, until eleven o'clock. Talking baseball like we do fifty-two weeks a year. After a very busy week, Bruce, when the Cubs piqued our curiosity with a four and three start, and the White Sox persevered through injuries a windstorm, and Apple TV. How you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing great, David. Yeah, Apple TV. If uh, people um, 50 years and older uh, who are not uh, in tune <laughs> to streaming now, yeah. I, I think most people have pulled what little hair they might have left out of their head <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, there's a preview. I can get this streaming. It's yeah. free. But... Yeah. How do I find it? Uh, do I, uh, do exactly. I use my uh, remote? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, uh, the new uh, Friday night baseball games on Apple TV. So uh, a lot of places to find your baseball. But right here, you find your baseball 52 weeks out of the year, as David said, every Saturday, 9 to 11 on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh, yeah, David, it's been a very interesting week. Where do you want to begin? Well, it Let's go with the White Sox because they are home and they are 5 and 2.
0: The Cubs are 4 and 3. Both have been, you know, made their share of news this week, Bruce, but the, the the Sox are in town, the Cubs are in Denver. And last night I think with the Rays in town, it was a good test. Dylan Cease, he he has been their hot pitcher. When you go back his last 5 starts dating back to last September, which I know with two different seasons, but he has seemed to have turned a certain corner, Bruce. You don't want to get too far ahead. But last night, to me, the story was Dylan Seas going five and two-thirds, really mixing in a balance with his nasty stuff and his fastball and his, his, his slider and everything was working for him. But then he gave way to uh, Aaron Bummer, who gave way to Kendall Graveman, who gave way to, to Liam Hendricks, who got his third save and looked a lot more like Liam Hendricks were used to seeing. And, Bruce, when you talk about why the White Sox are as feared as they are, I know this is maybe a a starting rotation that is compromised because of injury, but that's by design. That's how they win with that bullpen quality, starting pitching and getting just enough clutch hitting from Jake Berger of all people to win three to two.
2: Yeah. You know, the three and a third innings of, uh, you know, basically one hit ball, uh, a bummer gave up one run. So two hit ball, but the, the other guys, you know, when they came in Graveman, as you and I have talked about, and we had him as a guest a couple of weeks on Inside the Clubhouse, uh, he was on our show. Um, he, he might be the most important bullpen guy they have outside of Hendricks uh, this year because he was – so people, you know, in Chicago, we have great baseball fans, but Graveman pitched mostly in Seattle last year. He was then traded to Houston, became a world champion there, got 10 saves there. He is – Tony LaRusso's ace in the hole when it comes to that bullpen because he can do everything. He, I, I think he only gave up maybe a run, maybe none in spring training. So far, knock on wood for the White Sox, nothing at all off of him. And that is going to be the bridge uh, that they thought that Kimbrell was going to be for them when they obtained him last year at the deadline. Grademan can be that guy and pitch in any role, David.
0: I think he's an upgrade over Kimbrell. I think when you look at what he has done, it's very difficult to sustain it. But, hey, guys, guys, that's why he's here. He's paid, he's faced 18 hitters this year, Bruce, and allowed two hits and three total bases, no runs, and has yet to walk a batter. That's control, and that's command, and that's what you're looking for. And that's why a lot of people look at this Sox bullpen and consider it one of the best, if not the best, in baseball. Let me ask you this as we – Evolved and developed and moved through the week. Seven games in. Steve Stone was on the station several times this week. He keeps saying it in the booth as well. Don't worry about Liam Hendricks. He will come around after last night. Where is your concern level? Where is your worry uh, meter on Liam Hendricks in
2: his command? I have no. Uh, well, that's two separate questions. Command is. If you remember last year, early in the year, he had some command issues. Some balls were leaving the ballpark. I mean, he only walked, correct me if I'm wrong, seven or eight guys the entire season. So command with him is not about walks. When when people hear right. command, they go, always oh, walking people. Now, he's wild in the strike zone, meaning that uh, balls that are usually not hittable for most of uh, the hitters as it looks like a rising fastball uh, going out of the zone, he's leaving it in the top of the box and it's getting hit. Uh, he had this before. I think it's just an adjustment to weather in the new season. Uh, I, have, I have zero concern about Liam Hendricks. So zero concern that he's not going to be. Uh, I, I have zero concern that he, he will be anything but as good as he was last year. Now, injuries, baseball happens. You never know. You can't predict all these things. But coming out of spring training and, and starting the season, I, I don't have too much concern about him.
0: Before we move on to the Cubs, Bruce, I want to ask you about Jake Berger. He's getting an opportunity. Yoan is down. Yeah. Josh Harrison has a bad back. We'll talk to Josh Harrison, by the way, at 920 today. Jake Berger takes advantage of the opportunity. Homers last night, it's it's the difference. He's a guy that takes advantage, and he, he you know he's going to hit. My question would be, when they get whole, when they get Mankata back, when Harrison starts to play again, who goes down? Is it Berger? Is it Mendick? I mean, is it somebody uh, – do you find a, a spot for a bat that potentially important in your lineup or off the
2: bench? It's Wally Pip. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know what, what can you do? I mean, if he's hitting and he's doing the job, uh, Moncada is going to get his job back. I mean, he, he's earned it, but yeah, uh, absolutely. That, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderfully uh, terrible situation for uh, Tony La is not it. Gee, I have too many good hitters. I don't know how to get them out there. I think the, the bigger problem is for the opposition that has to face a lineup uh, one through nine if uh, Garcia gets going and Harrison gets going when uh, when he comes back because I think collectively they're about four for uh, 40 or something like that right now at second base. Uh, I'm, I don't have a lot of concern about them. They've, they've been playing. Well, let, let's say Garcia started to play yesterday a little better. Harrison Finally. made two outstanding plays. <laughs> Yeah, Harrison made two two outstanding plays on Wednesday, and it might even contributed a little to the uh, tweak in his back that he's dealing with. We'll talk to him uh, pretty soon. We'll ask him uh, some of that athleticism in uh, in forty degree weather might be a little different than in Glendale, Arizona. But nonetheless, David, uh, I think it's a terrific problem to have. You know, Moncada comes back, and he's still two weeks away at the very least. I think. Um, And Berger stays healthy and keeps hitting. I mean, that's a great problem.
0: Did you see Lurie ask for the ball in jest after he (laughs) broke his 0 for 17 start? That was great. Yeah. yeah. It's good to laugh uh, through stuff like that. He he bowed to his dugout. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean,
2: he's a great pro. Um, You know, he he did look like he hadn't played before for the first few games. It just. uh, It was was a struggle. It it didn't look right. But. Uh, you you know, the track record, he's the longest tenured uh, player on the White Sox along with uh, Abreu, I think. Maybe yeah. a, a, a tad yeah, shorter. I think he's been here a little bit I know he's obtained in 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, it was a, yeah go ahead. Meanwhile,
0: uh, out in Denver, Bruce, Marcus Stroman was making his second start of the season. On Jackie Robinson Day, it was an emotional uh, moment for a lot of – for everyone around Major League Baseball. It handled well. We'll talk about more the significance of Jackie Robinson Day and, and what yesterday represented to so many people. Marcus Stroman on the mound, didn't have it. Four innings, gave up six hits, five runs. The Rockies take care of business, beat the Cubs 6-5. to five. Uh, This this week, the, the Cubs, you know, through two starts, uh, I would have been shocked if somebody said before the season that Justin Steele would be the guy of the, your top three starters who was the most consistent through two starts very early. But what were your impressions of the Cubs this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was very pleasantly surprised about the defense, first of all, which people don't talk about uh, right away, and then the offense. I mean, guys started to, to hit, and they, they hit. Look, look uh, the Suzuki factor can be a really big thing here. I mean, uh, he, he, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but everything we saw in spring training and when we talked to him, this is a loosey-goosey guy that's thrilled to be playing baseball in America. He's an outstanding defender. He gets uh, he, he sets up beautifully to throw. He's a good base runner. He's not a speedster, but a good base runner. And so far, he's been on base every single game that he's been in. And uh, yesterday, he went in as a pinch hitter and walked. And be, prior to that, every game he's been in, he's he's had two hits. So the guy, you know, is everything... That they expected and more at this point. Will he have bumps in the road? Will he have adjustments? You know, absolutely. But I, I think it starts with him, and then, then you know, it's Contreras, and uh, you know, Schwindel had been hitting okay. Uh, you know, getting uh, a lot of contribution from Ian Happ, continuing what he had done at the end of last year has That's been a surprise. significant. Yeah, the carryover. It's been significant. He's been strong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and and even getting hits from the right side uh, the other night. So, from from all of that, I, I think Cub fans and Cub Nation should be pretty happy with that start. Uh, again, if if Stroman and Hendricks uh, in your first seven games have the only two starts that weren't really effective, it's, it's going to be a good year for you. That's a lot to uh, to digest, and there's a lot to get
0: into, and we will do that. And maybe you have thoughts. Three one two. 644 67, 67, but we're just getting started here. We have a big show ahead. We have Josh Harrison coming up next at 920. We have Dave Wills, the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, a Chicago guy who knows a little bit about White Sox uh, baseball himself, and he's at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. And Willie Harris, the Cubs uh, third base coach, will talk about the Cubs as well as what Jackie Robinson Day means to him. And we are going to be here from 9 until 11 o'clock today talking baseball. When we come back, the White Sox second baseman, Josh Harrison, joins us here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Well, one of the things with him, he had a well-earned reputation. And when you see it yourself, I mean, already, first day or two, I mentioned men at the same time. First day or two, these guys are just – and if you watch him closely, you know, he's – yeah, it's he has fun. He never takes an inning off. He never takes a practice off. He's been, him and Tae going great together. Welcome back inside the clubhouse for of Sports Radio School, David Hoff, Bruce Levine here until eleven o'clock talking baseball with you. And that was the voice of Tony Larusa talking about second baseman Josh Harrison, who has missed the last two games. With back soreness, Bruce, and expected back today, perhaps. Or the Sox uh, play a day game following a night game. Harrison was out last night. Michael Kopech versus Corey Kluber, 110 at guaranteed rate field. Josh Harrison was brought here to the White Sox to, to fit in into a clubhouse where it's, it's lively. He was brought for his veteran presence, for his bat. Hasn't gotten off to the greatest start offensively, but defensively he is a, a difference maker.
2: Yeah, the the good news is, uh, David, uh, the guy is a two seventy three lifetime hitter. Yep. He's a contact hitter. In 19 uh, plate appearances, he's only struck out once. Okay, he's only walked once. So he's he's finding his way, and I'm sure as, as soon as we get uh, uh, Josh on the air with us here in the next few minutes, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, just you know, finding his way and uh, you know changing around. But you're not going to see any. Uh, any worries from uh, Josh Harrison? He's total team concept guy, which I know listeners. You know, right now they're probably rolling their eyes when you say something like that. Uh, but this guy from day one showed the love and the concern about all of his teammates. It was a pleasure to watch him at spring training, just uh, go about his business with his teammates and the coaching staff.
0: And let's go to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find White Sox second baseman Josh Harrison. Good morning, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess we'll start with uh, welcoming you uh, to town. Obviously a little belated, but it has been fun to see the first week of the season and have to start this, a one ten start. How's your back feeling?
1: Uh, it's good to go today. Yeah. Um... You know, definitely excited to be in Chicago. You said a little late, better late than never, um, <laughs> and and good to go. Expected to be back in there today, so excited.
2: Yeah, I guess you you're not writing out the lineup, so you'll have to wait and see what Tony says, right? But uh, I mean, you you be become an imp- integral part of this team in a very short period of time. And Josh, when I talked to you at spring training, uh, you know, a few times. You said uh, you didn't think it was going to take long for you to, to fit in with this group. It took about two seconds. How, how does that happen? Uh, how do, how do you bring a guy in like that and you fit in so uh, seamlessly so quickly?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think I can really explain that. I think um, when things are just organic, when, when everybody's themselves, I think things happen naturally. So um, it happened pretty quick as far as that. I, it's not like, No rhyme or reason. I just think naturally when you get guys that, you know, kind of organically gravitate towards each other, um, sometimes you, you have things, you know, kind of hit it off kind of early.
0: Congratulations, Josh, on 10 years of being a vested veteran. You celebrated that, I think it was last week. And that speaks to just your longevity and obviously just knowing how to persevere. What has been, do you think, the secret to that uh, and your approach, and being able to last a decade as a major leaguer. Uh, one, you you, you
1: got to put in the work. Two, um, you need a few things to go your way. It's, it's no secret I've, I've had my fair share of injuries, but uh, you know, when presented with opportunities to play, I, I've always you know done whatever needed and and played well. So in 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 that aspect, you know, given healthy, I know what I bring to the table, and I mean this game is is a lot of you know, just living in the moment because a lot of people get to the big leagues, but to stay there is even harder and and to do it for 10 plus years. Um, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate. And, um, you know, as I said, continue, you know, the, to, to continue to go on, you know, you gotta be healthy and, and that's a part of a lot of longevity, um, things we can't control, but also having that balance, um, of, you know, things off the field has also helped me.
2: Josh, Josh, Harrison, our guest and inside the clubhouse and Josh. Uh, we were talking about 19 plate appearances which is nothing when uh, you know you look at a guy yourself that's gonna have 500 plus hopefully uh, with with some points of uh, health for everybody involved um, what concerns do you have uh, we noted that you haven't struck out you struck out once so obviously you're making contact where do you think you're at uh, with uh, with Frankie and and what's what you're doing right now
1: I'm right where I need to be I um... I leave the result-based things to people that don't really play the game, and that's no knock to y'all. Um, but numbers mean nothing. If, if, if I'm swinging right. at what I want to swing at and I'm seeing the ball well, um, can't, can't control the results sometimes. And I, I feel like I'm taking good swings, putting good swings on the ball. There's nothing for me to sit here and worry about. It's 19 at-bats. So that's not even a week worth of games. We haven't even played a month worth of games. As I said, I, I leave the, the outside panic. For anybody in that clubhouse who may have not gotten off to a great start, that's not what we're here for. We're winning games. It's one week of games. Uh, this thing is going to get ramped up as we continue to play, but there's nothing to worry about. At the end of the day, the ultimate goal is winning a World Series, getting to October to, to give us a chance to win a World Series. So to sit here and worry about how you know we're heading or whatever through these first six games, seven games, that's that's nothing to be alarmed. Um, you got to take each day for what it is, live in the moment and take those small wins of, Hey, if I'm swinging at what I want to swing at, seeing what I'm seeing, um, you know, that's part of the battle. A lot of things we can't control. You just got to come up and do whatever you can to win that day, whether that's at the plate and, you know, in the field or on a basis. Um, there's so many different ways to win games and that's, that's ultimately what we're doing.
2: Josh, I, I watched a lot of uh, cage time in BP and spring training, and, and the Frankie Mankino way, and the I guess the professional hitter way that you've gone about your your job is when you 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 look at the power hitters on this team, they all have they all seem to have a a center right center approach, which is uh, can be de- devastating. What what are your thoughts of the overall approach of the hitters, uh, the way they go about it, and uh, the potential? of this team to do devastation
1: um to be honest to be honest the sky's the limit um got, got a good blend of you know young guys with veteran guys in, and with that comes maturity the older these guys get the more games they play they'll start to understand themselves the strike zone uh and what pitchers are trying to do to them but even with all that said baseball is such a tough game that you can do everything correct and you know hit the ball hard and still get out but uh having those, those thought processes um definitely helps you stay you know the course of a long season where you know there are many ebbs and flows so um that approach is definitely going to help you stay a big part of the field you're you're going to be able to stay on more things and let's be honest man these some of them boys like as big as football guys so if they catch it right you know, they, if they catch it right wind or not i mean robert showed it the other day um opening day going to you know right center yeah. kind of through the wind um you know, that, that, that's impressive. But, uh, you know, just watching how to go about the business and, and, and stick with a plan and trust the process, that's going to be very big for our team because we, we got a deep lineup that's one through nine. That's even guys coming off the bench. And um, that's ultimately what you want to do is make it a lot, lot tougher on their pitchers.
0: Joined by Josh Harrison here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7, the score. Josh, I was really touched by how you hear you talk yesterday about your uh, uncle uh, during – John Shelby on Jackie Robinson day and the impact that that had on him, a 10 year veteran himself playing for the Orioles and the Dodgers. And just how yesterday throughout baseball, it was a celebration of, of Jackie Robinson day, the 75th anniversary. And I wondered in, in, as you look back and reflect on on what that meant to, to everyone yesterday, how emotional of a day was it for you?
1: Uh, It's always a, a great day of remembrance. Um, Today, day that when you walk in the locker room, everybody's, you know, excited to see that 42 on the back of their jersey. Because um, for one day out of the year, you know, we can kind of take that reflection of, and and step back to, you know, one honor Jackie Robinson. But um take it a step further to realize without the sacrifices he made and those before him and us that, you know, all of us in that clubhouse, we're not playing together. So, um, you know, you think of all the friendships that we've gained throughout the game and that's outside of baseball, you know. That's our wives, that's our kids, um, you know, can all be brought to the legacy that he left because I don't think any of it's possible if that doesn't happen. So, you know, it's always a great day to remember because, as I said, it affects the game of baseball, but for us, baseball doesn't define us. But um, there are also other things within there, like, you know, as I said, families, um, we get brought together and get to meet a lot of different people throughout this game. And I think that's one of the things that makes this game so cool.
2: You've uh, played for a lot of teams, a lot of managers. What's your impression of Tony Larussa after these last uh, five weeks or so?
1: Um, everything that I've been told about, he wants to win. Um, you, you can tell, and it was very apparent from spring training from day one, not even game one. I'm saying day one that I was there. Um, you can tell he wants to win, and that's every game, whether it's spring training or not. And to be honest, it's a little refreshing because, you know, spring training, you're still getting your work in, trying to get, you know, prepared for the season. But um, at the same time, you want to have that winner's mentality no matter what. And that, that starts, you know, in the clubhouse. And when you got your manager that's that's speaking that way and, and acting that way, you know, that, that just allows us as players to, you know, ride that same wave because we all have that same, you know, hunger to go out there and win.
0: Josh, I wanted to go back to the Jackie Robinson Day experience for a moment because I, I was—I uh, think a lot of people were surprised in, to, to see you. Know, you and Tim Anderson are the only black double play combination in Major League Baseball, where seven percent of the rosters are African American players, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's a number that has stayed was stagnant this year, maybe even gone down a percentage. And and the the power of your example and how important that message is that you and Tim send. It, it, how often do you? Think about that. Uh, how have you guys talked about that? Because it is quite, uh, you know, quite quite a powerful example to have you guys up the middle in Chicago on on a, the platform that you guys share.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something we've definitely talked about um, amongst ourselves. But um, at the same time, you, you mentioned it. The, the percentage is going down every year. Not not everybody had the background that I had with the uncle that played, brother that played, and coached. Um, so, me and Tim, we understand, and Tim didn't have that background. Um, but we also know any kid can look on TV and see either myself or Tim. and you know they can resonate with that. And just representation definitely matters because, as I said, I had family members that I could physically talk to, touch. Um, and we know our reach goes far beyond what we could ever imagine. And sometimes that's perspective, knowing that, you know, as you said, there's not, there there aren't any besides me and Tim up the middle. And I think that speaks volumes and we, we understand we got something special and we want to, you know, make the most of it, however long it lasts and, and let the youth know that you can do this as well. Um, and, and we're going to do everything we can to continue to push that message for them.
2: In closing with you, what was your cub experience like? I remember a couple of years ago talking to you, uh, in the pirates clubhouse and, uh, you know you really said you basically said hey I, I live in the present not in the past but it was okay uh what what was that like and uh, obviously I think you said to me well they gave me the chance to go to Pittsburgh and play uh on that team and play every day well, what, what do you remember most from uh being drafted and signing with the Chicago Cubs
1: uh, it was very short-lived I was drafted in 2008 June of 2008 traded July of 2009 so um Uh, It was short-lived. I got to meet a lot of people, ironically, played against a lot of them in the big leagues or played with a few of them. But um, Mm -hmm. I just remember I was a little bit ahead of my time. Um, (laughs) I was the All-Star game DH, (laughs) so back then there was no DH in the National League, so I think I was a little ahead of my time while I was with the Cubs. But uh, (laughs) that's pretty much what I remember was making the All-Star game as the starting leadoff DH. and. I remember being a young guy at the time saying there's no DH in the National League. I got to get out of here. I appreciate them drafting me, but I mean, I'm not making I'm not making the big leagues as a DH in the National League because there isn't one. And I can play the field. So, uh, as I said, you know, you never know what's going to happen in your, your future. You live in the moment. At the time, I was doing what I could in that organization. And then when I got traded to the Pirates, you know, Nothing changed as far as how I approached the game other than, you know, the jersey that I was wearing. But uh, how I approached the game was always going to be the same. I'm, I'm going to play hard, do what I got to do, and, you know, help win games by any means.
0: Well, Josh, there are a lot of people on the south side glad you're wearing a Sox jersey this year. And welcome to town. Keep up the good work and hope the back feels good today and you're back in the lineup against the Rays. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Josh Harrison, White Sox second baseman, Bruce, bringing a lot to the table, uh, veteran presence, in the clubhouse, a guy that brings a lot of energy in that clubhouse and on the field and the bat will come. And and I think that you get a sense of just what he brings to the Sox and what made him so appealing.
2: I, I do. Uh, you know, again, uh, I'm one of the guys that worries about, uh, injuries, not to him, but in general to, you know, we're, we're basically maybe a few days away from, uh, what a normal spring training would have been like game wise, uh, For playing, you know, maybe 30 games in spring training. And uh, I'm looking for that plateau, David, to make sure that uh, guys can stay healthy here, that there's not a plethora. There's always going to be injuries. It has nothing to do always with uh, uh, six or seven weeks of spring training. But this year in particular, you know, I'm I'm looking a little bit closer to it and so are other people as to uh, keeping people healthy. And I think both David Ross and Tony LaRusso have done a good job so far of not pushing people to the max, understanding that it is still in a lot of people's mind extended spring training right now.
0: Yeah, and yet Seiya Suzuki has adapted very quickly with the Cubs. And we will talk about his week and how the Cubs are faring out in Chris Bryant territory in Denver when we come back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.
1: And now the pitch. Suzuki drives one in the air. Left center field toward the gap. That is going to be in there for an extra base hit. Bouncing up toward the wall in left center. Suzuki has a stand-up double. Coming in to score is Swindell. Cubs lead 3-0. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
0: Thank you, Pat Hughes, for the highlight from Seiya Suzuki, who has made his share of news in the first week of the baseball season. David Hawk, Bruce Levine here until 11 inside the clubhouse. Bruce, that's been the story of the Cubs' first week, the surprise that Seiya Suzuki has emerged as an RBI machine. Uh, The plate discipline is contagious. You see the Cubs approach offensively, a, a noticeable difference. They are no longer the homer walk strikeout team. They are a team that uh, in seven games has shown a little bit better selection, a little bit better discipline. And it all starts with the the guy who was given the big contract and has made his transition very seamlessly from the Japanese league to the majors.
2: Yeah, he's he's a really good-looking player. And uh, look, uh, when they gave him $85 million, people said, well, really, five years, you know, Japanese players – haven't always worked out in Major League Baseball. There's only been two superstars position player-wise uh, in all the years uh, that Japan has been uh, sharing their wonderful players with the United States, and that's uh, Hideki Matsui and, uh, and uh, Ichiro. Other than that, there's been some decent players, good. Most of the stars have been pitchers, uh, but those two stand out. Uh, this guy, you know has a, a well-rounded game. And because of the fact of his body type, uh, you know, and I talked to some of the people that scouted him, both with the Cub organization and outside. And they said that, uh, you know, body type wise, he had a, a body type like American players. And and that gave them some feeling that the home runs that Japanese players in the past have not hit in the United States with shorter fences in Japan and less games played, that this guy would hold up better, be more durable, and so far so good. It's a, it's a sample size for sure, but the reality of, uh, of him being strong enough to be that player, to reach the fences in the United States, the extra 10 or 12 feet that it is, uh, that's significant. What has piqued your curiosity the most through seven games, Cub
0: fans? Has it been Sayo Suzuki? Maybe Justin Steele? Maybe someone else? 67-67. Call and let us know. There's a lot to choose from. There there have been a lot of intriguing elements to the first seven games. Uh, I think Steele has been. Somebody whose consistency through two starts has been a little bit of a surprise. Bruce, but I wanted to close a loop that you opened here, and I was curious because Josh Harrison, a lot of people forget he was drafted by the Cubs, and he was a sixth-rounder in 2008. We just got to had a good conversation with Josh, who now plays second base for the White Sox. Can you recall the Cubs trade in 2009, what they got in return when they sent him to the Pirates in a, in a deal that, frankly opened the door for him to play, and he established himself in Pittsburgh. But do you remember that deal in July of 2009? It could have been
2: John Grabo. Uh, yeah, I'm not good sure if job, that... Bruce. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, you know what the interesting part of that trade was? That at the time, uh, the Cubs were running out of money, uh, literally, for um, Jim Hendry and the, uh, the front office. And they actually had to get a loan uh, to, uh, from the Pirates to be able to make that trade, to be able to absorb that salary of Graybo that they were bringing on. Because they were in transition at that point wow. uh, with, yeah. uh, with uh, the Tribune and Zal. Uh, and I think bankruptcy came along uh, pretty quick there, uh, right before the, the Ricketts uh uh, Purchased the uh, the thing from Zell. So, from from all of that, that, that was a fascinating story that I heard. That they actually had to have Pittsburgh loan them the money for a while uh, to be able to consummate that trade.
0: John Graybo spent three seasons with the Cubs, four and four with a 5.02 ERA as a relief pitcher. Tom Gorzolani was the other pitcher thrown in, who ended up spending season with with, with the team, had an 11 11 record. With the 4.43 ERA as a starter. Speaking of lefties, Bruce, I mentioned Justin Steele. Has he removed the doubt, or I guess what has he has he done, to in your mind, to solidify himself in this rotation that is going to need him? He's between Hendricks and Stroman in the rotation. A lot of people that raised an eyebrow. But uh, what's been the most surprising element of his first two starts?
2: I think filling up the strike zone and having the confidence and the you know the uh... The memory, the muscle memory from last year of having started late in the season, I I, I believe, you know, those type of things are really important uh, for development of players. They're not talked about enough, but, you know, when a team is out of it like the Cubs were last year and people were getting uh, opportunities they never had and young people like Steele were able to start, uh, people forget, you know, he, he, he pitched well in the bullpen, went back down to the minor leagues to uh, – Get stretched out, came back as a uh, starting pitcher, you know, so-so results. But uh, the the memory of uh, having competed in the major leagues and done well, I think it, it's, it's been a big plus for him so far this year. You know, filling up the strike zone um, is, is a breaking ball. Very good right now. And uh, honestly, uh, you know, giving teams a different look for the Cubs, you know, with actually having left handed starters again after. None of them last year until um, until Steele started a game late in the summer uh, was all right-handed staff. I think that's an advantage for the Cubs that uh, people aren't talking about.
0: Bruce, we saw our guy, David Robertson, we spoke to last week on the program get a couple saves and off to a very good start. And then we saw a save situation later in the week, uh, Michael Gibbons came in and did the job that he uh, was asked to do at the time, uh, the Cubs have a couple choices. Do you think that they are going to have a different couple different guys, a, a committee of closers, or do you think that was just a fact of giving Robertson an extra day and it, it just situationally fit the Givens uh, was was called on? What, uh, what, what do the Cubs have when they're looking at the closer, if they have a lead
2: today? Honestly, if you look at David Ross and the coaching staff and uh, – front office they're experimenting they don't know okay I mean Robertson hadn't really pitched hardly at all a little bit last year but for over two years uh, Givens coming over uh, this spring he was a little hurt he didn't he didn't get to pitch a lot in spring training uh, so we know he had a 10.8 uh, strikeout ratio per nine innings in his career you know he throws the ball awfully hard and uh, had some success in Baltimore but Honestly, I think it's it's a little bit bullpen by committee. And when you say that, you don't think of too many teams that were successful with bullpen by committee. Uh, but in reality, I think that what you said is right, David, that Ross also doesn't want to go back-to-back with Robertson necessarily uh, at this stage being a veteran and having come off of a, a surgery a year and a half ago. And the fact that... Uh, he wants to be able to find out who he can rely on back there. And, and you know what? Everybody being ready, it's not a bad thing. They, they have a real strong veteran group there. I mean, you know, they, they came all within, gosh, it, it seemed like six or seven of those guys came within a week or ten days in spring training. It was amazing. A new name would show up every day. The joke in the Cub Clubhouse was, uh, you know, new name tags today because nobody knows each other.
0: And, and, Bruce, on cue, the starting pitcher for tonight should wear a name tag into the clubhouse because Mark Leiter Jr. is not somebody that is even on the 40-man roster, and yet he will get the ball tonight when the Cubs play the Rockies 7-10 right here on the score. He hasn't pitched in a long time, Bruce. He had uh, Tommy John surgery, first Major League game tonight since 2018. What do the Cubs have in this 31-year-old veteran? What should we
2: expect tonight? He showed well. He had a good fastball. You know, he was not afraid to throw strikes in spring training. And you know, again, uh, it's it's an opportunity, a good opportunity. I think, David, that they're going to be calling you for a Monday or Tuesday start. Uh, You know, it's a possibility. But that's it's kind of the the cool thing of what we saw in spring training. And the same thing for the Cubs. Yeah, you'd like to have automatic guys, but. What they did was bring in a lot of guys, and there's a lot of opportunity, and knowing that uh, you only have two days off in the first month of the season, and I think all the teams are pretty the White Sox are in the same mode, where you get two, two days off in April. Uh, you have to be very creative if you're a, a, a GM or a president of baseball operations to get through this thing, make sure that you're not overtaxing the people that are already on your staff.
0: You know when you look at the Cubs this week, Bruce, I think that uh, Wilson Contreras has had an interesting start to his season, and I talked about this on the Molly and Haw Show, and I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. But they have a June ninth, I believe, arbitration hearing set with Wilson Contreras. And you know how these things go. and it was referenced earlier in the week by Gordon Wittmeyer. How do you see that relationship affecting? Uh, this season as it unfolds is that has anything changed do you envision anything changing between now and that hearing in terms of both sides trying to make sure this doesn't get in the way or trying to resolve this uh, in some way possible with a compromise
2: you know I'm talking to Wilson uh, at length at the about this in spring training David um, he, he he talked a little bit about the emotion that this might be his last year and how How much you know? He's been in the organization since he's been 17 years old. Okay, so uh, or or younger. So I think I gauged it out that maybe 16 years old and close to half of his life as a Chicago Cub, uh, you know, person. So with that in mind, you you have to think you know it's been his whole life, uh, adult life. You're going to be emotional about it, but I think he also was very. Strong about the idea that uh, he indeed knows it's a business. It's always going to be a business. And uh, he's going to go out there and do what he does to help his team win. And also, uh, he what he didn't say is, uh, I'm here if somebody wants me. You know, if they want to trade for me, fine. If they want to trade me, fine. Nothing I can do about it. All I can do is go out and be the best version of Wilson Contreras as a hitter and as a teammate. And I, I think you're going to see that out of him. I don't think the 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 uh, date is going to impact him whatsoever. And If anything now, with Gomes on the team, uh, they can rest him and they can get the most out of Wilson Contreras either as a catcher or DH. Quickly, Bruce, at the other
0: end of the spectrum, Patrick Wisdom has really struggled mightily. He got two hits last night to raise his average to 130. He does look a little bit overmatched at times. We talked to Coom yesterday on and Haw, and he talked about how he went from spring training Really trying to put the ball the other way and go the opposite field more often, and then that approach right. has been missing of late. What do you see in Patrick Wisdom's future? Could he be a guy that they send down to Iowa to maybe rediscover some of that uh, confidence at the plate?
2: Well, 40 years ago, uh, right now, uh, Ryan Sandberg, a 23-year-old uh, third baseman for the Chicago Cubs, was going through a 1 and 30. I guess uh, 23 and uh, 33 uh, or 32 uh, is a little different. But uh, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to panic with the Patrick Wisdom. I, I think they know they've asked him to do some different things. Uh, I think he, it's his job. And uh, uh, a stealth move of having Aguiar uh, as the uh, uh, guy to rotate around gives them some ability to, uh, you know, sit him once in a while like they did. Look, look at the beautiful way that Ross got him into the game yesterday. Uh, he, he sat at the yeah. beginning of the game, and then he came in and he got his two hits. You know, right. so... You know, kudos to David Ross, and I I don't think they're going to panic when it comes to wisdom at this point.
0: I'm just going to ignore that you compared Patrick Wisdom
2: to a Hall of Famer.
0: I'm just going to gloss right away. And and, in 1982,
2: he was not a Hall of Famer. He was a one-for-30 guy that people were saying, who is this kid, and get somebody else in there that can get a base hit.
0: All right, we will shift gears when we come back. The voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, a guy who knows Chicago well, Dave Wills, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse.